Eagle has landed. You're listening to American Slacker Podcast with Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. Welcome to American Slacker Podcast. As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Jesse. Today we are joined by our guest, Zach Amico, international superstar comedian, wrestler, uh, man of many hats. Uh, thank you very much for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Pleasure's ours, man. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is Zach Amico. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. Zach is not funny. And uh, yeah, I'm a comedian, uh, podcaster. I do uh, two shows, The Real Ass Podcast with uh, my best friend, Louis J. Gomez, and then I do a horror movie show called Zach Nico's Midnight Spook Show, as well as I am a uh, personality for a company called Capital Wrestling, where I'm a heel manager. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's got to be a lot of that's got to be a lot of fun. I've heard being heel is the best thing if you're involved <laughs> with wrestling. So it's got to be it's a lot so of fun. fun it's, it's the opposite of having to do comedy. Um, yeah. And I, I still get to do funny stuff but I get to get to elicit a completely different response. It's, it's been very rewarding. Yeah, man. And I, yeah, I couldn't imagine like being in, like trying to achieve the like, fuck you, like and being happy about it, but I see it, it must be addicting. <laughs> it's really fun. And it's so fun, especially to get little kids mad. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. I got like, that's the most fun. You feel like, uh, like a Disney villain. Oh, dude, I bet we could relate to that. Permission to be the bad guy. I'm <laughs> sure everyone wants that at some point in their lives, you know? It's cathartic. <laughs> I saw it on YouTube. Uh, we were watching a little earlier some of uh, your matches, especially uh, episode 111 of uh, it was the Capital Death Match, you versus Jeff yeah. Cannonball. That's fucking brutal, man. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, so Capital doesn't usually do. Uh, blood and guts type stuff. Okay, but oh. uh, the uh, entire basis of bringing me in—they knew I, I love that stuff. I'm obsessed with this guy, the Necro Butcher, um, who was in the Wrestler. If you saw the the movie, The Wrestler, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's the guy that Mickey Rourke has the death match with. Okay, uh, with oh. like the light tubes and the staple guns. And I was actually a big fan of Jeff's. And when they brought me in, they pitched that angle, and we kind of built. Uh, up to that and then i wound up getting cut a lot worse than i was supposed to and it became uh real gross real fast and it was like (laughs) two o'clock in the afternoon like it was (laughs) it was it was we really just frightened a lot of kids (laughs) oh my god yeah what was the venue like was that like a high school or like uh no it's like a vfw type uh hall in uh jersey they do wrestling there um like every single week there's a bunch of companies that run out of it Pro Wrestling Magic, um, another company called VXS, Violence Time Suffering. Uh, that building constantly has wrestling in it. That's oh, my awesome. God. So are you freaking out in your mind like when uh, you, you start realizing that you're like you're bleeding a little more than you agreed to? <laughs> you know, I was so caught up in it, and, and that was my first match ever. Um, and I was so nervous that I couldn't figure out what I was bleeding from because I had cut myself a little bit but then all of a sudden it was really bad and i couldn't put together what did it i didn't realize it until uh somebody told me after they watched it what got it and then when i saw the video i realized what spot it was so i was more confused 
And all I could think about, because I'm neurotic, was I was so nervous that people had to wrestle after us. And I was talking about how they could clean that up. Right. Oh, shit. How selfless of you while taking a a bat, attacked bat to the head. I wouldn't give a fuck about the people after me. I'd be like, oh, (laughs) fuck my head. My head, I'm gushing. (laughs) Well, that and I was like, man, I hope they don't charge me for this canvas. Ooh, yeah, that's Ooh. probably not cheap at all. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't even think of that. And I, I, I ruined it. They tried to power wash it, and they tried something else, but... uh, So you left your mark, it sounds like. <laughs> Two months later, they were uh, uh, setting up the ring for another taping, and they took out the turnbuckle pads, and one of the turnbuckle pads, a bunch of my blood was still in it. Oh, oh nice. That's brutal. And they... Yeah, it was really gross. How long did you know you wanted to get involved with pro wrestling? Was that something from like being a kid or like was this something like just became an opportunity out of nowhere? Uh, I've been obsessed with wrestling for the majority of my life, uh, okay. little kid onward. Like, I, one of my first vivid memories is telling my grandfather I wanted to be Mr. Perfect's tag team partner. Uh, oh, shit. Okay. By the way, I've always been a heel. Like, I've always wanted to be a bad guy. And then a few years ago, so I'm a comedian. And uh, I did, we do a festival every year called Skank Fest uh, through the uh, podcast that we're all involved with called Legion of Skanks. Mm -hmm. And at Skank Fest were two former, one former and one current wrestler who were working with Capital at the time. And the night before I had done a show and I came out and did the Sandman entrance from ECW where I like cracked beers on my head. Yeah. yeah. Sandman and bled. And I showed them uh, the scars on my head from the night before. And I went, oh, well, come see. We run this company if you want to come check it out. And me and a few comedians all went to a, a Capitol Wrestling taping. And I loved it. And uh, I told them I'd love to be involved any way I could. So they made me like this uh, underling character to their boss, uh, on-screen owner, who's Harry Terjanian, who's a great comedian, um, who I've known for a long time. And from there, they started giving me a little bit more, a little bit more. They let me start uh, managing and cutting promos. And then uh, I wound up training with uh, two of them. And they just taught me some basics to get through what I had to do. Mm. So a lot of the team is comedians there then. Yeah, actually. um, Yeah. So uh, Harry Tajanian is the uh, lead announcer and the uh, plays the owner of the company. And then. He is in a sketch group called The Unwanted, and his partner in that group is a girl named uh, Stephanie Satelli, who's very funny. She's one of the uh, managers in the company as well. So uh, between the three of us, and then we all do a lot of the interstitials, and we work on uh, the storylines. So it's a bunch of comedians all together. Oh, man, that's awesome. Putting putting the stories and uh, doing the promos. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine having a lot of comedians on the writing team could could definitely make the stories expand a little more. I mean, you see it get stale in the big companies. Um, all I see is complaining online. And uh, it's it's interesting to think of a lot of comedians being on the team actually writing. Uh, a number of comics have written uh, in the past for the big company. I mean, Patrice wrote um, The Undertaker versus Steve Austin feud. Oh, really? Wow. wow and I then never... uh, he got fired because he wouldn't stop doing stand-up on the weekends uh, when they uh, asked them to cancel the shows. Oh, but, wow. 
made a good move in comedy i mean <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah why is he gonna give up his original art when it's right. just like a side job you know but that that's cool that's an interesting marriage between the uh between the two forms of entertainment that i wouldn't have expected i guess yeah i have a few friends who've uh, worked on wwe creative at this point and i want to say two or three of them were all from uh ucb Oh, cool. Or they were all sketch comics. So there's, they actually do actively look at comedians' uh, writing packets. Oh, wow. It's weird because they've got like a, it seems like, you know, from the, I don't avidly watch, but I see a lot of clips and um, it seems like they go like a little hard, like, you know, on SNL goes a little too hard with the, there's that vibe of like the over the top comedy they achieve, you know, whereas there's <laughs> yeah, no subtlety. Like, yeah, yeah. So that's, I guess, where I'm I'm using my comparison is like, I guess I see like uh, that big room comedy versus like independent where you actually see like moments shine that people are like, oh, damn, I never saw it actually coming, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're making TV for yeah. a very broad audience that is <laughs> the world. mostly children. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, subtlety is probably not the name of the game. True, true. Oh man. Now you mentioned Skankfest before. I was just curious, um, what's what situation are you guys in right now with uh everything that's going on? So we were supposed to uh have Skankfest South in Houston, Texas. It was gonna be this coming weekend. Uh, but that has been postponed now to September Oof. the twenty-fifth. Okay. Um, yeah, there was just no way of doing it. Uh a few weeks ago the and this is before everything got crazy serious. The uh, the mayor of Houston, I believe, had put uh, the kibosh on anything of more than 100 people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we were going to lose everything regardless. So they called it when they did. But um, really cool. And they actually, what they did, so there's going to be more. Uh, there's the next one coming up, as well as there's going to be a Skagfest New York uh, date to be announced. So anyone that had tickets can use those tickets for either of those. Or they can get a full refund. So, um, oh, that's great. Yeah, nobody got stuck. Mm. I've seen a bunch of events not give refunds. Uh, yeah, that's fucked only, up. Mass move. You can only transfer it to a later date. So um, it was actually really, and uh, speaking from somebody on the ins, uh, who sees a little bit of the inside workings, uh, they took a huge hit to do that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, they could have saved a bunch and said, "We'll take it, it all at that point." Like everybody yeah, else is, you know, they could have, uh, they lost a tremendous amount of, uh, uh, of potential money and then they mm. took quite a hit and, uh, they were very selfless about it. Yeah. That's good on yeah. them. What, what kind of, uh, I mean, now that they have to look towards September for it, what in the past years, what kind of, uh, stuff has Skankfest put out there for the audience? Okay. So Skankfest is a, uh, three day comedy party. It is unlike most other comedy festivals in that there is no like VIP really. The comics hang out with everybody else. Oh, wow. And uh, in the past, uh, some of the surprise shows, uh, they did a complete tough crowd reunion mm. with uh, Colin Quinn, Jim Norton, wow. Keith Robinson, Rich Voss, Bob Kelly. Uh, oh, wow. Last year, Louis C.K. did 20 yep. minutes mm. uh, unannounced. Uh, the first year, Doug Stanhope. Like, you get some pretty big-name comics come in and do surprise shows. Um and usually that'll be the Sunday because that's when everybody's off the road. 
let's see. And I mean, there's nothing like it. That many comedians in, you know, getting your bang for your buck. I mean, it's an amazing show. I haven't well, had a chance to mix go. Mix it but... and mingle in too. Like, yeah, it's I cool. Mean... It's about 120 comics and uh, three stages. So there'll be a tiny stage, a medium size, then almost like a rock club type area. Uh, so they'll have like the goddamn comedy jam, which is really cool. It's basically comedians doing live band karaoke and doing stand up. Wow. Nice. And that's going to close out all three nights of the festival this year. Um, I do something. So I came up with the dumbest show of all time. And that's my show that I do every year. It's called the naked roast. Okay. And it's roast battle. But, uh, myself who's hosting the competitors and the judges are all completely naked. Oh my god! Nice. What a spin! What a spin! Okay, and it's the funniest. Like, it might be the funniest. It's every year something so silly. Like, uh, Allison Klemp, who's a very funny comic here in New York, went on stage and pulled her jokes out of her pussy. Nice. Oh my god! She had them in a plastic baggie, folded up, (laughs) and walked on stage, spread her legs. And pulled her jokes out of her pussy, and it was the fun. It was such a, even though uh, this is not the appropriate genitalia, it was such a big dick move, dude. Yeah, that's big dick energy all day. Uh, I have, I mean, it's a stupid question I have to ask. Did she win? No. What are you Damn. fucking? Ki- Whoa, dude! They must have been killers on the other it side. Was, uh, it was, it was her and uh, Joel Walkowski, both of oh, them yep. were very, very good. And uh, Joel just got her in the end, but the whole nobody gives oh, a shit who God. wins. Uh, to be honest, at Naked Roast, it's such like a fun thing mm. for everybody that I probably couldn't tell you who's won most of them, mm, uh, just because everybody's having such a blast. True. If anything, you probably remember like legendary hits like that just happened throughout, right? Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Yeah, man, I watch a lot of it, you know, like the ones that you take place in New York City, um, like a lot of those. And man, I love it. So I could only imagine how crazy it would get. And it's really fun. The nude element. I'm blown away by the unexpected prop comedy in that last. Dude, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> a few people have, have pulled some some pretty good. I, I know people have come out with like um, st- uh, their badge tied around their dick. Uh, I know a few people took. Uh, let's call them performance enhancers. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. oh, so you guys don't test the uh, the participants no. beforehand for <clears throat> performance no, enhancing no. drugs? <laughs> uh, I don't want to throw my friend under the bus. This is so funny. So the second year we did it, it was in a big loft space, all the big shows. And we get about, um, the biggest space we had the second year was probably about, it sat about five, 600 people. And the judges were all at a table nude as well and uh earl skakel from la was one of the judges and what earl didn't realize he thought the table had a banner in front of it (laughs) so he was fluffing in between every time he stood up not realizing that we were on an elevated stage and just 500 (laughs) people were watching him jerk off (laughs) oh that's fantastic Dude. And nobody told them till later. Uh, I mean, it's so funny. And then, so, Sanchez <laughs> also takes, like, the safety elements really seriously. They have a ton of security. And not only, like, is there no photo, no video rule for naked roast, uh, if anyone has their phone out, they lose uh, their badge for the entire weekend. Like, they oh, get kicked good. out for the entire good. weekend. 
and awesome the not yeah i want to say it was last year uh one of the marquee sponsors like the guy that ran the company that was paying for the festival took his phone out to check his texts during it and they kicked him out Oh, if he's not safe, you're definitely not safe, fuckface. Yeah, so don't think about it. <laughs> so this this guy spent twenty thousand dollars in security and kicked him out. Wow, dude, that's good though. That's good. Yeah. Nobody should be above anybody, and plus, you know, you should be in the moment. And too many people are fucking staring at the phone, watching the show through the phone type deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's dude. It's so fucking funny every time. Like, uh. it's really wild. That seems, yeah. and that sounds like a one of a kind kind of event. I don't, I don't know anyone else who's doing naked stand up anywhere in the country. Well, the whole show came out of. Uh, so there used to be a show at the Creek of the Cave, which is the first venue we ever did Skankfest at. It okay. was a um, a very bohemian, awesome comedy venue in Queens. There was a show called the Naked Show, where comics would do their sets naked. Really? Wow. Oh. And that okay. was right when the roast battle boom started. And we were trying to figure out what show I should do at Scary Fest. And uh, it was me, Lewis, my co-host on Realize Podcast, and who runs the festival, and another comic named Mike Brancatelli. And we were sitting in our friend Ralph's kitchen. And uh, as a joke, we were like, well, what are the stupidest shows in New York? And it was Naked Show and Roast Battle. <laughs> And the three of us all at the same time were like, let's do Naked Roast Battle. Dude. Com- combine the two. I just love it because, I mean, you got to be confident to come up here. And you're not going to come up here with some half-ass shit or half-mass. You know what I mean? It's going to be full-ass like, because it's going to be, be out there in the in the wind. Oh, yeah, man. and it's been wild. And uh, we have surprisingly more girls volunteer for it than you would think. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, so would, it, it is a a great way to uh, catch some of the the rising talent in the uh, the comedy scene. If you catch my drift. Hey everyone, my name is Drew, and I host a podcast called Dudes with Brews on a Porch, where we let the drinks flow and the conversations go. Each and every week, me and a friend of mine, we sit down, we try a different craft brew, usually from the state of Wisconsin, and we just sit down and have a conversation. We talk about all aspects of life. Once a month, we talk about paranormal stuff, and we always have a good time. You can find our show, Dudes with Brews on a Porch on iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else you find your podcast. Grab a cold one and hang out with us each and every week right here on The Porch. This episode is brought to you in part by Hemp-CBD.com. Hemp-CBD was founded in Albuquerque, New Mexico, with the mission to provide the best products in the industry. Hemp-CBD has created a one-stop shop for tons of CBD products, such as tinctures, edibles, topicals, pre-rolls, vape, and pet products. The products carried by Hemp-CBD are sourced from an organic hemp that's grown in the United States, lab-tested, and consists of CBD isolate, which is the purest form of CBD. This testing ensures that their products contain CBD and no other cannabinoids like THC. Head over to Hemp-CBD.com and use promo code SLACKER for a 20% discount at checkout. That's Hemp-CBD.com promo code slacker i was gonna so what's what's the feeling like when you're sitting there at the uh judges table or even on stage with all these people looking at you naked i mean it's hard enough to get laughs you forget um really so like it's so much adrenaline and it's like because roast battle itself is scary as fuck 
Mm. Like you're terrified because comedy has uh, enough nerves behind it. But now you are literally being judged by the audience. Is this person funnier than me? Which, you know, your ego would hopefully say no. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to be judged by a group of, at best, your peers. Sometimes for roast battle, very famous people are going to be judging you and basically telling you whether or not you are funny and if you write good jokes and if you have good delivery. Now, on top of all that, for my show, you're fucking naked. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first thing you forget. You're more concerned with your jokes than you are your dick. It's like unicycling on a tightrope, but above a volcano. It's like, yeah, you're not, then, <laughs> step that fucking danger up and take your clothes off. Yeah, for 600 to 1,000 screaming comedy fans. Dude, yeah, yeah, probably screaming all kinds of shit at you, too, on top of the fucking one person tearing you apart from yeah. the dick. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. You better That's hope funny. they're laughing at your jokes and not your fucking yeah. balls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I try to. Remember, I, we've had some uh, some monsters. Uh, as you guys watch, um, in terms of jokes or in terms of size, both. What are we? both. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, do you guys watch uh, Kill Tony? Of course. Mm-hmm. Joel Berg. Uh, oh yeah. Joel, the driver. Jimenez, yeah. Uh, Joel Jimenez. He has got a fucking piece on him. <laughs> That's a rumor I heard too. Yeah, yeah. I've seen that on Kill Tony. They talk he just about. drags it out behind him when he comes out, or oh, dude, it was. It, I heard that's how he hits his bass drum when he's drumming. It was a a day changer. (laughs) God, dude. I'm sure you look at some of your peers a little differently after those shows. Yeah, and I was actually (laughs) really proud. uh, uh, Last year's, uh, the main event, we actually had a a trans girl uh, in the the main event. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was very, very, she did great. And then afterwards, when there was a bunch of controversy over Louie being allowed to perform, uh, the venue was very upset about it after, of course, because of uh, online prompt complaints from people that weren't there. Right. And then some like SJW type comedians all were kind of trashing the festival. Uh, this really cool trans chick wrote basically about how welcome she felt and how safe she felt at. Uh, how we went out of her way to uh, make sure she felt safe and like, you know, kind of assimilated and like part of the crew. And uh, that I think beyond anything is the most important thing. at scary fast is like everybody has a good time and everybody's equal. And it's just three days of love and hard drugs. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Yeah, dude. And not a festival like it out there. Definitely. Well, we hope that, you know, you said September is when? Yeah. the, the September, I believe the 25th through 27th is the new dates in Houston. Uh, the venue is the secret group. Uh, and they have uh, three stages and then they're turning the parking lot into the main stage, I believe. So that's going to be like, that's going to be good for a huge amount of people for like the big shows at night. Uh, do, you got to get the sunblock going if you're doing the naked show outside. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to do that one outside. <laughs> we got to find that one out still. Oh, <laughs> figure figure yeah. out the details on that one. Yeah, get a special pop-up time for that one. <laughs> so I got a chance to listen to a few episodes of your uh, your horror show. Let me make sure I get the name right. 
Zach and Miko's Midnight Spook Show. I love it. Oh, cool. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot, man. Thank you. Yeah, the, especially I was listening to the Evil Dead episode, watching along with you on Netflix. Yeah, I really, I really enjoy, enjoy it. It, I, it keeps, uh, for me, it's almost like the movie's my co-host. Mm. Nice. And so it, it's a definitive amount of time. I know, you know, I know exactly where we're going, how much we're doing. I try to pick movies that I think will go with the people. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I have expanded to like, I, I'll do like uh, midnight movies, kind of campy, silly stuff that I like. Uh, and I, I just, I really enjoy, I, I've worked on a bunch of horror movies. I'm, that's like my other love. I've uh, assistant directed four features. Uh, so to get to bring now horror movies into my comedy world is a uh, very very fun and very mean. Uh, I love that. I I try to only pick movies that are on streaming, mm-hmm. so that Make people don't have to spend the money, mm-hmm. um, and they can watch along with us. And like, I I consider it like a friend experience almost, where people get to like hang out with these comics and watch a movie. Yeah, yeah it's it, great. Yeah, and another thing that yeah, I've never seen a show like it. We we had tried to fool with a concept like this, but it was just going to be me and him being stupid. Over well, let's be honest. I got intox too intoxicated during uh, <laughs> what was it? I don't even remember. I don't remember what we watched. Honestly, I just remember you you blowing chunks, kid. Yeah, um, it, it ended the episode pretty fucking quickly. Apparently, I can't just down vodka while we watch a movie. But still, <laughs> like, I, uh, I there was something missing the hook, and I dude, the hook is what you've done. It's the interview process. Wow introducing this you know most of the time it's just something so interesting people are like all right this is a movie i've never heard about but it's it's got a ridiculousness that i can appreciate oh well, yeah meanwhile you're and i do like to like find my i think i always ask i like to find out like what scared people growing up um and i think that's always like a, an interesting mm-hmm. delve into their psyche uh as far as like what scared them or like what movie freaked them out and then kind of, even if people don't like horror movies, usually they have a real fun answer for that. Yeah. The one guest I mentioned, uh, Leatherface jumping through his window. And for some reason, yes. that's scaring him as a kid. It's like, okay. Yeah, that, that would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. A lot of, a lot of my, uh, I'm 32, so between like 30 and 36, every single one, it's Chucky. Oh, dude. Yeah, that's a, that's a fucking haunting one. That is definitely. I think that would be the one for me if you asked me when I was a kid. Fuck Chucky, because because Chucky was in commercials, dude. Yeah, like I I as much as like Freddy and Jason and Leatherface are all like these iconic characters, they didn't show a lot of them in the trailers. The Chucky trailer were just Chucky's terrifying face. doll staring back at and you. you're figuring out as a kid that the world's gonna lie to you because he's labeled a good guy, and guess what? He's not a good guy. Definitely isn't. Yeah, <laughs> and it would just and it was on your TV, dude. Yeah, I remember Chucky being on at like three in the morning, being a fucking kid up way too late watching that and being like, "Yeah, I'm not going to bed tonight." Well, I grew up with sisters, so I mean, they had fucking dolls. It's like any one of them could be a serial killer, you know, put into the body of it. That's the worst, dude. I didn't have any dolls in my house, so I was free of that. I was just worried about neighboring dolls coming over. You know, none of the fucking in-house dolls come into life. <laughs> uh, Zach, so since you ask everyone else what their fear is, what's your what was your fear? Um, I was scared. Uh, I mean, Chucky was a big one. Uh, I, that's just the age range I was in. And then uh, The Exorcist. I saw The Exorcist a little too mm. quick. And I was always scared of... Um, and I actually, 
it's the uh, the spider walk when she goes down the stairs backwards. And then it's so funny. Uh, I actually think the scariest movie, uh, like two, as far as movie that has two huge scares, it's one that people don't go after a lot. And it's Exorcist 3. Huh. Okay. I've never seen it, actually. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I saw that one. So it's written and directed by the guy who wrote the first book, uh, William Peter Blatty. And that it stars George C. Scott, and uh, and it's basically that the the demon is now going into a nursing home person to person, and uh, there's a serial killer who it's kind of going in and out of, who's played by Brad Dorif, who is Chucky, and uh, there's a scene in it that ruins me. Uh, they go to the nursing home to start interviewing people. And an old lady, they don't even like close in on it. There's not a music thing. An old lady just runs across the ceiling. Oh God. Yeah. Like That's behind people. And they don't like they cut to it eventually. But at first, you it it it's just disorienting. And then you realize what it is, and then you're it's oh terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think back for mine. I think mine was more like creatures and stuff like that, more arachnophobia. Mm. Uh, that always American Werewolf in London. See, I, I always liked body horror, so I couldn't. I, I wouldn't say that that necessarily scared me because, like, the thing I like, I dig it. You know that kind of shit. But it was more like the spiders, like giant spiders, shit like that. Ooh, um, dude, arachnophobia. Mm-hmm. Them that just being everywhere, tiny up. things being everywhere, little teeny a little ones. Bit much. Does it kill you in five minutes? Oh, fuck no. Mm-mm. Yeah, bugs bother me now. That last segment in the, well, I think it's the first mm-hmm. freak show the, mm-hmm. where all the roaches come oh. out of the whole man is awful. Dude, anything with bugs is like, if you want to get to the like primal in a human, it's like bugs. That might be, it. That might be an age-range it. thing, too, where we're renting, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, fuck bugs. <laughs> true, true. Oh man, fucking! So what? Now, how long have you been doing comedy, Zach? Uh, I'm about eleven years. Eleven years in. So, I'm assuming you were into filmmaking first, right? Yeah. So I went to film school, and uh, I had to finish out my other curriculum stuff. And my senior year of college, I took a class called the History of New York Comedy, uh, which should have just been uh-huh. called Jews. <laughs> and uh, and the final was either like a twenty-page paper or five minutes of stand-up. Okay. And I like I put together five minutes that was kind of half stuff that I was joke, you know, stuff from my life, and half almost like street jokes, trying to figure out how to do comedy type things. And. Um, they took us in to perform at a comedy, basically a bringer show. And they had, you know, told us to invite our friends and family. And then they had, uh, Justin Silver, Dave Smith, Dante Nero came in and talked to us and told us about stand up. And then when we did the show, the, uh, guest, you know, they brought in real comics to kind of like pepper in between the, the amateurs and they had big Jay Okerson close it out. And that was the day I met big Jay. Uh, and his manager was the uh, booker of the club that we were performing at at the time. And they had us all back to do like a best of show of like three years of the class. 
and uh, they kind of like had us all perform for real comedians and get advice. And in that class was uh, myself, Anna Dresden, who's a writer on SNL now, um, and Rachel Bloom, who has the show My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Shit, man. I watched that show with my crazy current girlfriend. <laughs> my crazy wife likes it. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble for that one. She doesn't watch our show. <laughs> and uh, the guy that put the show together, who managed Patrice at the time, Big J, Dave Smith, Bonnie Voss, Louis J. Gomez, he asked the three of us if we would be interested in doing stand-up. And those two kind of went their own way because they were better at business and comedy than me. And I went with him. So here I am. Uh, and <laughs> right after that was when Geraldo passed away and a bunch of comics didn't want to come into work. So he just put me up. Like I, I was like my fifth time ever doing stand-up. And I'm on lineups at a comedy club. Wow. Fuck. And I fuck I did good the first night and got cocky and bombed the rest of the weekend. And uh he wound up giving me like a doorman type job where I sold tickets and did a little bit of security stuff. And then he would let me do for people that aren't familiar comedy, what's called the check spot. Uh and that is a young comic usually goes up and does their act while the audience is paying their bill. It's kind of death. Um, everyone's doing math and figuring out what they owe. And Half listening. Being mad, at, being mad at how much Heineken costs. Uh, and it's kind of like a comedy boot camp. And he put me through that for about a year and a half. Um, and that's how like, I got into doing stand-up full-time. Kind of gave you your... your turning you to stone, man. That's, uh, that's definitely rough. A year of fucking half-ass laughs like while looking down like <laughs> yeah or way where i mean i've had audiences yell the price yell their bills at me oh my god that's because awesome. they were mad about how much they cost like and from there what's he expecting you to chip in or fucking <laughs> no they're just like they're yelling because they think i represent the club <laughs> oh great so they're just yelling at me about the price like that was a constant and uh, but through there, I met, um, you know, basically who's in my crew of comedians now. We all were on the lineups of those shows for this little club called CBs. And when I think back, like, so it was like a shithole little room, it just sat like maybe like 70 people. But the lineups are all people that uh are doing really well, so it would be like uh, not just like me, Lewis, Dave, Jay, that you would expect. But like, you know, Mark Norman, Dan Soder, Dan St. Germain, Mike Lawrence, uh, all these people that wound up doing really, really well, they were all, that was the first club that passed all of them. Ah. Kurt Metzger, um, I, and Christy Stefano, like all these people, Giannis Papas, I remember them all being, like that was the first club that used them regularly. Mm -hmm. And we all came out of that. And all those guys were, you know, like the class above me. And I kind of got to uh, coast along and hang out with them. So I feel like I got to skip a lot of steps. Uh, yeah, it seems like that might alleviate a little bit of pressure being under the wing like that, you know, kind of coached a little bit through it. Whereas yeah, I just I basically I skipped the the open mic portion mm. um, and I just started hosting a mic at that club. So I kind of just I probably 
and it took me a long time to catch up. Like I was probably behind where I should have been for like two or three years. But I think it was also like trial by fire. Like I, I, I had to get funny because of the people that I was surrounded with. Yeah, yeah, that elevated presence, like your your peers, yeah. Hi, I'm Mike from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. I speak to a wide variety of guests, including CEOs of businesses, psychologists, authors, musicians, travellers, people suffering with physical and mental illnesses, and everyone in between where we speak about a large variety of topics, including music and movies and pop culture, but also some more controversial topics, including drug reform, political correctness, and many more. No subject is off limits. You can find us in all the usual podcast places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, as well as on YouTube. And you can follow us in all the usual social media places. And to be clear, I don't expect everyone listening to enjoy every episode of my show. What I do think is that due to the wide variety of guests and topics, that there'll be at least one episode that each person listening will enjoy. So if you still appreciate the art of conversation and want to hear honest conversations with interesting people, then be sure to check out Genuine Chit Chat in all the usual places. Support for American Slacker comes from Manscaped, who's the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I don't know about you, Jesse, but I am sick and tired of being outmatched by these razors and traditional trimmers that you get in the store, and no matter what, they, they fucking snag your nuts. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They have a lawnmower 2.0 razor, which they have sent our way, has a proprietary skin-safe technology, so you won't get those nicks or snags on your nuts. Nice! Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Yeah, and with our 20% off code plus free shipping, you're going to be saving a bunch of money and getting some great products that won't end up uh, making it look like a war zone down there. All you got to do is enter Slackers at checkout manscaped.com 20% off get your anti-chafing ball deodorant your sweet lawnmower 2.0 your nuts will thank you later you can even rep them by getting yourself a manscaped.com t-shirt so head on over manscaped.com 20% off at checkout enter code slackers get your ball swag here was there something during that time that you say you learned that you didn't get by taking like say that that stand-up class um, I learned a lot about uh, not being overly concerned with the audience's happiness. Uh, Dante Nero like took me aside one day. He's like, "You keep checking in on them too much. Just do it and get th- like do. It's more important to be you than it is to be concerned with their entertainment." And then I just, I mean, all the other things that you're going to learn over 10, 11 years of doing stuff, where to pause, how to make things mean more. Uh, story count stuff that i'm still learning like I, I i just started barely headlining now so I, you know you're still putting it together yeah yeah it's a profession i think you never really master you're always gonna be learning how to do more you know better on your timing and all that yeah there's yeah. there's always a lot of room for improvement dude one of the things i gotta say that i noticed with you is you have something that you can't be taught though you you're quick-witted when it comes to like you know roast battles and even just being on a podcast sometimes you just come out with some shit that i'm like holy fuck that was instant (laughs) um i think that's from growing up i have uh my dad has four brothers and whenever everyone was together basically you got like one chance to speak (laughs) you had to make it razor sharp and you had to make it count and they would do nothing but uh what later i realized was roasting 
but they just used to five of them sit at the table and make fun of each other all day. Mm. And then if you walked by, you were also going to get made fun of. <laughs> so I think that's what kind of gave me the timing and the ability to sit on something and wait for the perfect moment because you don't want to speak just for the sake of speaking. Mm, true, yeah. yeah. That's a lesson that takes people probably most of their lives to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Especially you get aggravated. Yeah, right. People. Stop. Now, that, that's one thing I wanted to ask. So during a roast, is it like it, that's not something everyone could do? Because like people take shit personally. Like, is there a a, a method or like a um, a trick to just like letting that shit slide off and and just not letting someone get in your head when they're coming at you with some really personal shit? I mean, for me, it's always it's just words. I don't give a shit. Yeah, they're not telling me anything I didn't know. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've seen feelings get hurt. Like um, oh, yeah. I saw, there's a the 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 video has has mysteriously disappeared. But when they did roast masters at the stand, uh, the club that it was originally at, uh, I do know a comic who I won't name walked off stage in the middle of the battle oh. and went home. Oh, fuck. Defeat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some people take it. For, to me, it's just word. And like the most important thing about roast battle isn't whether you win. It's how good of a time did the audience have. Mm. And the best battles are the ones where you do equally well. Um you know, it's like, uh, uh, same with pro wrestling. You don't want to watch one guy just beat the shit out of the other guy. <laughs> you want to see a story where both of them do well and then somebody ekes it out at the end. Mm. Uh, and, and to me, I think that was the easiest transition was roast battle to wrestling because it what is a performance and it is storytelling and it is like trying to uh, play a character. And like, I feel like the entire second half of my roast battle career I was playing the heel and I was almost setting myself up to lose because mm. it was more important for me to have a great show and say the most outlandish shit as opposed to trying to be clever and likable and have the audience be like, he's got pizzazz. <laughs> Dude, I've definitely heard you say some shit that was like killer brutal. Uh, this one lady, Kim, I forgot like how somebody passed away recently and you just shredded it apart. And I was like, Jesus, dude, <laughs> killer with that stuff, man. So I see you, you, you. There's no limits with your roasted man. So I'd hate to be on the other side. <laughs> and to be honest with you, to pull the curtain back, we do actually all ask each other for permission, mostly to uh, ah. talk about stuff. Um, the best battles I've had are ones where I've sat down with the person and had dinner like the week before, and we basically went through everything. Like before, I battled Evan Williams for Comedy Central. We went to a diner and just told each other every sad thing about ourselves, ah. which must have been real. Like, like anyone walking by must have thought it was the worst first date of all time. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, we gosh. were just listing all the tragedies in our lives to give each other shit to say. Uh, Mike Lawrence, who won the first season of Roast Battle, he's one of the fucking funniest people in yeah. the world. Yeah. He taught us that. He was the one that said, you need to go out to dinner. You need to be friends uh, because if you guys don't like each other and don't laugh at each other's jokes, that audience will get in on it and it's not as fun to watch. 
That makes a lot mm. more sense. Like it, it tension. It's not so much a competition as it is a play or something. Yeah. And you can only, when it's like that, you can only both do better. It can only be good for both of you as opposed to like, if somebody just smashes somebody, that's not fun. Yeah. It's similar to pro wrestling, man. I mean, the theory there, you got to make the given poll. You got to add the elements of happiness and anger, you know, it makes sense. And if you see a comedian not enjoying it, there is something about that that's very off-putting. Yeah, say. the most important thing in roast battle is to laugh at the other person's jokes. Yeah. And to make a show of it because then it makes the audience know that it's okay to say these horrible things. Yeah, yeah. I Man, I never would have thought that you guys like sat down and, you know, permission-wise on some of the things. I knew you did your research. I've heard plenty of that, but like I never knew it was that intimate, you know? It really helps, and I feel like um, the whole roast battle bubble kind of burst with because it stopped being fun to watch somebody say horrible things because it was so much closer to our reality. Yeah. Like, nobody wants to see me get on stage and say and, and do racial humor or, like, misogynist humor because that's a real – it's too close to the real guy that's running the show. And I feel like uh, the entire roast battle bubble started to burst right around uh, Trump getting into office. Hmm. And just it, the tone of everything changed. Well, it's like the pre- if the president's doing it, it's not edgy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just not fun. It's not as fun. And it's still really fun to do the shows for like an audience that's in on it and loves it. But as far as entertaining, like, you know, random squares off the street. That shit just doesn't fly anymore. Hmm. Unless you're naked. Yeah. Then I mean, <laughs> that's a whole other element to keep you on your toes. So can you tell us a little bit more about your work with um, trauma? I mean, they're an institution in horror. Um, so I, I'm really interested to hear how you got involved with them. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I um, was, trauma has been like the, the main thing that I love. Since I'm like 12, uh, I know pro wrestling and trauma. So who would have thought? <laughs> and uh, I made a couple movies in college, like short films, and I mailed them to trauma. And uh, somebody that worked there at the time kind of reached out to me right as I was getting out of college and said, Hey, would you be interested in coming in and uh, working one or two days a week at the office? We're looking for people. And I, I came in first to do. They did a PSA for PETA, okay. where it was like a bunch of humans in cages being treated like chickens were. Lloyd from Troma is a big uh, animal rights activist. And I came in with that, and then I started coming in and being an intern, like basic office work. Uh, but then Lloyd realized that I – so I'm very good at copying people's speech patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the reason I do well on podcasts is I know when people are going to pause and stuff. And I can use their uh, uh, delivery to kind of bounce off of. And I started doing interviews as Lloyd, as an intern. Because like every little website that wanted to interview him, he would say yes. And then he would tell me basically what to say. I would put it together and then he would go through it. Um, so he, I think like just because I could, I could mimic his speech patterns. Makes people feel comfortable uh, for sure. And uh, he, I think I, he, he was fine. And I, I was, I was there for like a year or two uh, interning. I left, and then I saw they were doing Return to Newcom High, and I went in and auditioned. 
And I just said, hey, I, I, I want to die in a Trump movie. I've gotten to die in the, the online shorts and do little stuff, but I really want to be in one and just die. And uh, so for people that don't, don't know, Trump has been making no-budget movies for 45 years. And uh, the pay is horrible. The conditions are squalor. But the movies are really fun. And you're on set with 80 like-minded people. It's basically like a family reunion, but for people you've never met before. Uh, and one of the ways trauma kind of makes sure the performers, the actors and actresses, aren't going to quit this hellhole of an experience is they make you audition like eight times. Like you just come in for weeks. They keep bringing you back. They keep bringing you back. Um, and I had a feeling that the part in the movie that they were having me read for, I might get. And then the guy that was going to be the second AD left the project. And the producer called me. I was working at the time selling comedy tickets in Times Square, which is the worst job <laughs> in the world. I was going to say, that sounds like so oh, much fun. Yeah. It's you you had the sign spinners and the knockoff Elmos. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hell on earth. And uh, they called and said, hey, we're actually interested in bringing you on as second assistant director on top of the part of the movie. Can you uh, commit your time to us? We want you. To, it was a Thursday night. They say, can you move to Buffalo, New York, Monday morning? And I said, uh, I'll see you in 20 minutes. And I walked to my boss. I quit. And I got on the train and went and signed my contract. And I moved. I moved. Uh, oh, I just shit. left everything. Damn. Uh, I lived with a girl at the time. Oh, shit. You left and her, I just, too. <laughs> I, I said, I'll be back in a few months. Um, and I, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll keep paying the rent, but I'll be back in a few. And I just, I was gone. Um, mm. And then throughout the production on a trauma movie, you kind of don't start with your title. You end with it. And people kind of earn it. So, like, if you are on the effects team, you get bumped up the harder you work, the more valuable you are. And I wound up uh, being in charge of uh, all the background people who we call actor persons because nobody's extra. Everybody's important. Nice. I wound up being in charge of all the actor persons and background. And then eventually I was like running the rehearsals. So Lloyd gave me this title that doesn't really exist called associate director. Um, he's got one other associate director and that's James Gunn. Oh, who wow. associate directed uh, Tromeo and Juliet. Nice. And so we did Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1 and 2. We shot those mostly back-to-back, -back, then got more money about a year later and shot additional scenes. Uh, and then most recently, we shot Shakespeare's Shitstorm, which is our version of Shakespeare's The Tempest. And I uh, did a pass on that script. I wrote some extra jokes. I'm in it, and I uh, associate directed that one as well. We just shot that one last summer, and that should be ready to start screening probably this summer. I just saw uh, the final cut of it, and I'm very, very happy with it. That's awesome, man. Now, going from watching it as a kid to actually working for it, how, how does that make you feel? I mean, it must feel like a, a, a big accomplishment. You know, I was so young. I was like 23, 24 when I started, um, and it was surreal. 
and it's still surreal. It feels weird. It feels like I can't watch Terror Firmer, which is the trauma movie that uh, takes place. It's a killer on the set of a trauma movie. Okay. I can't watch it because it's too real. <laughs> and it gives me like PTSD. Because uh, that really, it's chaotic. It's, it's grueling. We shoot sometimes 18 hour days, 20 hour days. You go to, back to the, you know, for Return to Newcomb High. We shot in, uh, right outside of Buffalo, New York, in Niagara Falls, the New York side. We had 80 of us living in an abandoned funeral home. Damn. Uh, just sleeping on the floor on yoga mats. And That's you crazy. would work all day, 18-hour days, go home and sleep for four hours, get up and shoot another 18-hour day. Jeez. Um, um, so it's, it's a great, I mean, when it's done, that's the best. And getting to screen it and getting to do the Q and A's and now so we'll do the same type of release schedule as like a Kevin Smith, where instead of the movie coming out everywhere all at once, we'll tour with it. Smart. And we'll do different big cities and the cast, Lloyd, will all come and do Q and A's. And now it's kind of I've de facto become the person that like I run the Q and A's. Um and I basically that's like an extension of stand up at this point where I kind of do crowd control, keep people happy. Uh, and it's, it's very weird. The new one, uh, I felt a little more in control because I had already proven that I'd, I could do it on two movies. And Lloyd really trusted me on this one because he's in a lot of the new one. Okay. So I got to do a lot of directing. He also let me kind of uh, uh, sit with him and give line suggestions. So like I was like kind of doing rewrites as we were shooting. Uh, it's the coolest. Uh, and it is it is weird. The weirdest was right after Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1 came out on Blu-ray. I watched it on Mushrooms. <laughs> and I forgot I was in it. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> That'll throw you. And, and I'm watching it, and I start seeing all my friends. And I'm going, that's so cool. They're all in it. And I was, I was tripping balls. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I was working at a haunted house at the time, and one of the girls that worked there made uh, mushroom truffles. Okay, that were way too much for me to handle at the time. <laughs> and I was by myself, and I watched the movie, and then I showed up, and I couldn't figure out if it was real or not. Oh, that's a bad headspace. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I've had bad trips, but that's a whole new level of like interdimensional wondering what the fuck is going on. Are you like watching your life through a TV somewhere? Like, Oh my God. Yeah. Not only that, my name in that movie is Zach. (laughs) So you don't know when people are talking to TV, you are tripping you. Oh dude. It was, it was wild, (laughs) man. Well, I hope you learned your lesson there, mister. God, half a truffle next time. <laughs> yeah, thank, yeah, thank God that my death scene wasn't in that one, or that would have fucking ruined me. Oh, god, that would do it. Oh, my god, Dude, that's crazy, man. Zach Amigo, the man of many personalities, many fucking jobs. I don't know how you have time to do all these things, man. Wrestling, filmmaking, fucking comedy, podcasting. Dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a busy boy, but uh, I couldn't be happier. I, I, I most people don't get to live their dream, let alone live like three of them. Right. Dude. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the coolest. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Dude. As somebody who likes your art in every form, I like that. I get to watch it in so many different fucking things. So I think that's smart for your, your career. You know, I think you're doing 
wonders being in all these different avenues of, you know, bringing popularity to your name. And you're doing well with it, man. I fucking, you're hilarious. You're fucking entertaining in the ring. I just started watching that. That's craziness. I can't wait to see what else you do. Thank you very uh, much. Man, where do the people check you out? Let's get all the plugs out here. All right. So keep it easy. Twitter and Instagram at Zach is not funny. Z-A-C is not funny. My two podcasts are The Real Ass Podcast, which is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And Zach and Nico's Midnight Spook Show, which is Fridays at midnight on the Gas Digital Network. Use the promo code Zach. Get yourself a 14-day free trial. Of course, you can always watch it for free on YouTube or uh, Stitcher, however you get your podcasts. Uh, you, uh, you can listen to it. Uh, Capital Wrestling comes out on uh, YouTube every week. It is also on the Gas Digital Network. And we do live shows. Uh, in the tri-state area, but we might be traveling to your neck of the woods if you are in America soon. Uh, we're looking to expand. Uh, those are all the best ways to check me out. The new movie is Shakespeare's Shitstorm. Should be out this summer. Nice. And you can see me in Return to Newcomb High, Volume 1 and 2, available on uh, DVD or Blu-ray, wherever you would buy those, as well as uh, you know if you want to get them off any of the streaming sites. Awesome. Awesome. Definitely check them out, people. Uh, Zach, we'll have to do this again sometime, man. Thank you again Absolutely. for coming. On. Thank you guys very much for having me. It was a lot of fun, and uh, I, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. And uh, thank you, everybody listening at home. Until next time, that's it. There you go. We're smoking America. We're passing America. I'm mapping America. I'm second America. We're talking America. We're blazing America. This is fucking America. We're second America. This has been American Slacker Podcast. You can reach the show by searching American Slacker on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. Or send them an email to American Slacker Podcast at gmail.com. You can download and rate American Slacker on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and all other podcast platforms. Visit the show's website, aspodcast.com, where you will find every episode, official merchandise, and links to their Patreon if you would like to support American Slacker. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Think about the second set of passing. Man, I gotta go and get it, grab it. Why you gotta go and act a savage? Smoking weed, I gotta feed the habit. Now I'm on some other shit. Things that I gotta go get. Medical all on my slip. You falling like dominoes, bitch. Stuck in my ways, fucking high days, fucking sideways in the driveway. We're smoking America, America. We passing America. I'm mapping America, America. I'm second America, America. We talking America, America. We blazing America. This is fucking America, America. We're second America. We're second America, America.